so you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Franke are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hey, Star Wars fans, welcome back to the Rebels podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Disney animated series Star Wars Rebels. This is episode number six for the for the episode Out of Darkness. My name is Matt, your co-host for the show, and let me bring in your host and creator, Mr. Mr. Michael J. Cohen. What's up, my friend? Hey, I, well, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing big, you know, it's not, it's not like they just announced the title <laughs> to... Oh, something very important something one year from now. Very important. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is not necessarily a podcast about everything Star Wars, but, yeah. you know, you have to comment on it, and let's just get right to it, to the news. Uh, a small rebel force has penetrated the shield. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. The big news that hit, of course, we have a title, Mike, mm-hmm. The Force Awakens, and it's been all over Twitter. Everybody's been talking about it. Podcasts have been speculating on what the title means, but what is your uh, overall impressions of the title? Well, uh, I I love it. Uh, I think it's a fantastic title. I think that it it, um, it evokes exactly what we uh, I think we're all kind of expecting, which is uh, uh, this new beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I think that there's going to be a few people who have issue with it because it does um, it, it is starting to confirm some of the suspicions that people have had that Luke Skywalker is in seclusion Sky, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and so that is very different uh, jumping in 30 years post Return of the Jedi compared to what the expanded universe had dictated. 30 years post-Return of the Jedi was. I mean, when you think about 30 years post-Jedi uh, in, in the EU, you're thinking about the the New Jedi Order fighting the Yuuzhan Vong and, um, you know, uh, hundreds if not thousands of Jedi, all right? So, uh, like, the Order is kind of back in uh, not quite in full force, but but is definitely something. It definitely exists. Um, but here, I think what we're getting with this is that, you know, since the events of Return of the Jedi, uh, there really haven't been any any Jedi. There haven't been any Force users, whatever, 
whatever is uh, going on is kind of without their inclusion, mm-hmm. right? So this is, I don't know, it sounds to me that it's, that it's like, uh, it's a new beginning, right? Which which it is. And so I think it's it's important that the title be both appropriate for the movie and appropriate for the era, mm-hmm. right? And this is, like, we're talking... Uh, I, this is this is the beginning of a brand new era of Star Wars. This is our first movie uh, without George Lucas, um, you know, uh, roughly uh, based on his uh, uh, treatments, but written by someone else, uh, a story basically by someone else, um, and that's a big that's a big step, right? That's a that's a very big change. Um, and it's the beginning, like, this is the, the kicking off. It's like it's like how there were Marvel movies before Iron Man, but then Iron Man came out, and that right. started a whole new cycle of, of what we now consider the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So even though Spider-Man and, and the X-Men and Fantastic Four are still out there as sort of their own things, this... Uh, you know, uh, now when you say Marvel movie, what you're thinking of is, oh, you're thinking Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, and you're thinking of that, right? So, uh, very similarly, uh, 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 obviously similarly, because uh, that was brought about by, by Disney's purchase, really. Um, I mean, Disney purchased just after all of that started, but... Um, but now with Disney having purchased Lucasfilm and making new Star Wars movies, I think the the parallels are pretty obvious. And if that indicates quality, uh, then I'm all for it. You, you know, know, I I had the same I have the same feeling as you. It's like the title, first of all, it it evokes like the beginning of eras, like you just said. You know, we had the Phantom Menace, we had A New Hope, now we have the Force Awakens. So it has that yeah. beginning type title feel. And then the other thing that that when I first heard it, you immediately start trying to figure out, well, what does it mean, you know? And the and, and like you said, the first thing that came to mind for me was, you know, like at the end of the Return of the Jedi, the uh, the Empire's fallen. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a need for for necessarily Jedi anymore or the Force. So it, you know, what how, what what has been going on for the last thirty years? Has it been dormant? Yeah. Has there not been a need for anything? And then all of a sudden, there's a new threat. Jedi are needed again, the Force, whatever. So that's the first thing that came to mind to me. But, of course, there could be many, many different uh, meanings to the title. But that's just one of the first ones that kind of jumped in my mind. So, But, yeah, yeah definitely definitely a great, I think, a great title, a great intro title. So good feel yeah. to it. So, I, how, how do you feel, I just really quickly, how do you feel about them dropping the numbering? Uh, that it's no longer, like, I mean, we'll still refer to it as Episode 7, and I think most people will refer to it. For the sh- with the shorthand of episode seven, mm-hmm. but I, uh, how do you feel about them dropping that from the marketing? I don't mind because they said it was going to be in the scroll in the in the, in the uh, yeah the scroll or whatever you call it. The, yeah. So I I don't it doesn't bother me at all. Actually, you you posted a right away too, and it, yeah. it kind of went viral. The, uh, the the title inside Star Wars it just looked fantastic. I mean that was that's that's what I want right there. It was perfect. So. If anybody hasn't seen that, Mike, it's on your. Um, is it on your Twitter? Or uh, yeah, that, well, they can find it on Twitter. They can also find it on my Tumblr, uh, yeah. both of which are ArkWolf, A R K W U L F. Sorry, A R K W U L F. Either, either you know, at 
ArcWolf or uh, ArcWolf.tumblr.com, and you can find it there. I'm actually I'm hoping I'm hoping that that I can uh, get something worked out so that uh, a lot of people have been requesting it as a T-shirt, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I tend to agree. I think it would I think it would look fantastic. Oh on a yeah, t-shirt. nice. Uh, yeah. So I uh, so I'm gonna I'm I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out how I can do that because obviously I don't own the the license to start. <laughs> Um, and and yeah, we've done T-shirts in the past. Like we did, we did T-shirts for Frontlines, but I didn't sell those T-shirts, right? We uh, we gave those away as like a promotional thing. Right. So I think like we were kind of we were kind of safe, right? Uh, we didn't have to worry too much about that because it's not like Lucasfilm could come back and be like, "Hey, yeah. you're making profit." It's like, no, actually, actually, this cost me three hundred dollars. I just kind of like sunk into nothing. Um, uh, not nothing. I mean, they're fantastic shirts, and everybody who has one, I think, really likes them. But, uh, but I, I'd really like it on a T-shirt. So I don't know. I'm I'm exploring a few different avenues to to try and make that happen for everybody. So yeah, yeah, um, that's a it's a killer I'll, image. I'll, yeah, I'll update with more information as that becomes, you know, a thing. Right. I if anything, I I think. I don't know if it's like Threadless or one one of those like T-shirt companies has has sort of like an official license and mm-hmm. and and they do Star Wars contests every once in a while. So you know maybe I'll yeah. have to submit it through one of those. But I don't know. I'm hoping that I can do something a little bit more proactive than that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, a, definitely a killer image, and I'd love to see that on a T-shirt. Sign me up right yeah. now. So um, last thing before we get into the episode. Yeah. Uh, last week, Mike, we had talked about in, in Breaking Ranks about the Kyber Crystal, mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of talk about that and just like the ramifications of, of that particular scene. And Pablo Hidalgo this week uh, on the Out of Darkness uh, behind the scenes clip, he had talked about it and kind of put to rest, I think, some of the questions we had. So here's what he had to say. This week we have a question from A underscore Targaryen who asks that this is the second time we've seen the Empire's Kyber Crystal's plans foiled. We saw it once before with Annie and Obi in the Clone Wars, but, you know, what does the Empire have in store for these crystals? All right, well, so Kyber Crystals are what focuses the energy in a lightsaber to create a blade. So it's got this very potent ability to focus energy in a very powerful way. So I imagine if you had eight giant Kyber Crystals and perhaps arranged them in a ring and put them on a gigantic space station, uh, that could probably have some very powerful effects. So it's clear that the Empire is experimenting with something, and uh, you could probably guess what that is. So, Mike, there's, there's kind of, to me, kind of, there's the evidence right there. And it, it's funny when you watch that clip, Mike, they flashed an image of the Death yeah. Star shooting the green laser. So yeah. um, one of our Facebook uh, followers, or uh, he said, uh, Christopher Bach, he said, it sounded like you never saw the Clone Wars story was, which I, sorry to say, I haven't. And also, if you read Tarkin, which it just came out, I haven't read it yet, they mentioned what yeah. the crystals are being used for. So in any event, it sounds like um, we had speculated, I think, last week that was that intended for the Death Star? And it sounds like maybe not that one, but those big kyber crystals are intended to go into the death star what do you think yeah yeah that sounds kind of like confirmation yeah. of our of our speculation from last week that uh that that is a that's a death star focusing mm-hmm. crystal right so right. uh that's why like, they need those gigantic uh, uh kyber crystals in order to create the very powerful laser beam uh strong enough to blow up an entire planet 
Yeah, so. and like you said, it's it's not just one. They need an assembly of them, like that, eight or more. So. That's that's what I found interesting about that that mm -hmm. clip is that uh, they actually need multiples of those big crystals. So mm -hmm. uh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very scary thought. So yeah, we may not have seen the last of uh, maybe these rebels going after more yeah. crystals or the empire yeah. or whatever it is. So. Very, very uh, cool and uh, kind of gave us some closure to that, so I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Um, let's do it, Mike. You ready to head into the red recap? Yeah, let's do it. Jedi Master Luminata and Julia has been in prison somewhere in the Stygian system. We can't pass this up. Use the Force! Ezra, your formal Jedi training starts tomorrow. I am the Inquisitor. Chopper, get us out of here! This is the Padawan I encountered on Stygian Prime. Have no fear. Help is on the way. There's a lot more at stake than you realize. Well, kid, you pulled it off. Was there ever any doubt? Yes. Alright, Mike, here we go with... Out of darkness, after a mission, the Phantom is pursued by a TIE fighter. Hera blasts the ship while maneuvering past stone mounds, confident that no Imperial pilot can outrun her. Ezra asks if he could fly the ship, then changes his mind at the sight of three additional oncoming TIEs. Hera evades the fighters by uh, flying closer to the stone mounds, causing one TIE to crash and the, and the remaining two to collide. But unbeknownst to Hera, the Phantom is leaking fuel after scraping the underbelly. At the same time, Sabine expresses her frustration with Hera's continued secrecy over Intel and her mysterious contact with Fulcrum. So, Mike, you know, you mentioned, I think it was last episode, about the amount of, of space battles and dogfights that we've gotten in this short season. And, yeah. and, and even next episode, which we'll talk about later on, is... is we're going to jump right back into some more battles. We'll talk about that. But uh, we jump into another, yet another uh, kind of a dogfight here. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to see Hera use her skills because obviously this episode features Hera and Sabine. And we'll talk about that as we go along. And, and just her ability to, to fly her ship. This is her ship. And not only is she a good pilot, but she's able to... She's able to think on on the fly, if you will. You know, she's able to use the the surroundings around her. She uses these mounds as a as a cloak, not a cloak, but like a cloud. She shoots it, so she's got the the wherewithal to think. Okay, outside the box a little bit, shoot yeah. the mounds, get some cover and cloud, and to make the ties uh, run into each other. So I thought that was kind of cool to show her. She's actually a really really good pilot, and probably yeah. better than. Ezra, because this is her ship and all that, and they kind of talk about that during the episode. So, and then the, she also mentions the name Fulcrum, which again we will we will get to that uh, later on in, in the episode and in the comment section. But yeah. uh, we talked about this episode just real briefly before we started, and and Mike, you weren't. I, I have to agree with you. This is not like the best episode for me. Um, I know it's an an, an episode where um, we get, you know, we get the. The, the character development between these two, the female leads, yeah. and, and, and kind of a, an intriguing question on how engaged these characters are in the fight against the Empire, which we'll get in the middle mm -hmm. too. But overall, I mean, I was just like, I was like, okay with it. Had some, a couple of good scenes, but uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, I think, a couple episodes ago about the, the show just kind of keeps 
going forward, right? Like it's not it's this it's going to be much more difficult to pull out favorite episodes mm-hmm. with this series than it was with the Clone Wars, which was much more one off um, or, or, you know, sort of those three part arcs. Um, I think that the whole season will be much like a three-part arc or a four-part arc sort of thing. Um, I So we'll be able to look back at seasons and go like, oh, that season was great, this season was okay, you know, that sort of thing. But, I, but in pulling out individual episodes, I think it's going to be more difficult. But this episode stands out. Um and not not for for positive reasons for me i don't think <laughs> um i was excited to get to know more about about uh sabine and hera uh i don't feel like we got to learn anything more about hera we got to see a little bit more of her character mm-hmm. but we didn't really learn anything about her past right. um and uh, and same with sabine like we didn't see any sort of new behavior from her. There's there wasn't anything that developed her character anymore, other than this this idea that she doesn't like not being in on the uh, like she 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 plan, feels yeah. like yeah she feels like she should be um, part of the planning and everything. But right. but we sort of got these teases at her backstory, but nothing really. Right, so now like we'll talk about it, but we yeah. know that she she was an imperial cadet. Um, we know that there's a that there's a garrison on Mandalore, which I think is interesting, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe maybe they will return to that at some point in uh, in the future mm-hmm. on Rebels, uh, or maybe we'll we'll get to find out more about that in in some other method. But um, but other than that, it felt to me like this was was more like a clone wars episode than a rebels episode because i feel like every episode of rebels has progressed the story forward but this is an episode where where i i i mean i i think you the 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 trope uh it doesn't quite fall into this trope but but the trope that it most closely resembles is a bottle episode where it's like they are two characters and normally it's the whole cast but but our two characters are kind of stuck in a situation mm-hmm. and that allows them to explore their characters right to explore each other's characters and the relationship right. between those two characters so um like bottle episodes can be good but most often for me uh, I, I find them to be a little bit frustrating, especially when I feel like last week, last week was almost a bottle episode itself as well, but a little bit yeah. different. Right. Um, I guess two weeks ago with Rise of the Old Masters, it felt like we were like on pace and we were doing something. Um, last week, I feel like it tied into that because it was still them sort of hitting the empire again like that was the whole plan was we know that the empire is up to something so it felt like part of a bigger puzzle um but this episode to me just kind of felt i don't know it it felt very one-off it felt like i said like a clone wars episode like a season one clone wars episode Hmm. where it's very much uh it's just a a, an adventure that you like like you remember how how last week we talked about the idea that um, we may be jumping, you know, in with the characters and out and that sort of thing over time, mm-hmm. and we don't really, we're not really getting to see all of their adventures. 
this to me feels like one of the adventures that we missed in one of the other ones that like what they, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really matter it didn't really affect the story going forward it's just i don't know it's just more of these characters getting up to Mm-hmm. I don't know adventures, right? right? So, well, I appreciate what like Dave Filoni said in that backstory or in the uh, behind the scenes that you know they're they're trying to focus a little bit on on developing these other characters. But for me, yeah. for me, Star Wars is at its best when it incorporates the Force, and, and this is just my opinion, you know. And I know there's probably a lot of people that love this episode, but to me, Star Wars is at its best when it has when it's incorporating, you know space battles and lightsabers and the force i mean because that's star wars to me is especially the force so while i can appreciate what they're doing um i just like it just didn't excite me like an episode like the old masters did so and and, you know you mentioned too about uh sabine and she's wanting to get deeper involved in things and i think one of the other things that came out of this episode was that this crew is deliberately holding some of the vital information back because just like they talk about, you know, if something happens to one of them, they get captured. They don't want all of their plans to to be tortured out of them or whatever. So it's definitely like a, a tactic you would see just almost in any type of militia or or um, armed force or whatever. You know, you don't you don't let the little people know too much. To, otherwise, yeah. it'll compromise your whole mission. So I can understand that. But uh, go ahead, Mike. We can keep going here. <clears throat> uh, back on the ghost, Sabine reiterates her anger with Hera and Kanan withholding information. She demands to come on the next rendezvous with Fulcrum. Meanwhile, Hera orders Zeb, Ezra, and Chopper to run a diagnostic on the Phantom. They fix the steering and life support filters, but due to some hijinks, miss the fuel leak. Hera and Sabine take the Phantom and head for the meetup with Fulcrum on Fort Anaxis, an abandoned base located on a large asteroid. Sabine again asks who Fulcrum is, and Hera only acknowledges that he's an ally against the Empire. They land safely, but the Phantom is still losing fuel. Fulcrum is a no-show, but their cargo is there. Hera and Sabine take containers back to the ship, and Sabine says she needs to know that Hera and Kanan trust her. Sabine was once an Imperial cadet and says that it's now difficult to follow orders without question. Hera explains that the secrecy is for her safety and that she needs to have the faith as have faith that she's part of a larger mission. It's just things seem to be getting more dangerous every day and I need to know that you and Kanan can trust me. We trust you, Sabine. We just can't tell you everything. It's for the safety of the whole crew. If captured, you can't reveal what you don't know. You think I'd talk? I think, we think, the Imperials can make anyone talk. You've seen what they're capable of. Yeah, I have. That's why I need to know. You already know exactly what you need to know, and no more. I need you to trust me now. And that's supposed to make me feel better? Hera, you know what happened when I was a cadet at the Imperial Academy on Mandalore. I trusted the Empire, followed its orders blindly, and it was a nightmare. I want to believe we're doing good, making a difference. But sometimes it seems like the harder we fight, the harder things get out there. I feel like we can't take down the Empire on our own. That's why I need to know this isn't all for nothing. 
I need to know that I am not walking into another nightmare here. What you need is faith. Faith that there is a long-term plan that's bigger than you or me. Bigger than Lothal, bigger than the entire Outer Rim. Have faith in that and in us. We, Kanan, he knows what he's doing. Hera. So, Mike, this is like, I think, to me, one of the, or probably the, probably most important part of this particular episode, because we get a lot of, in a quick moment here, of yeah. what Sabine went through and, and what Hera's ultimate, uh, Hera and, and Kanan, what their ultimate mission is. And, and like I said earlier, you know, it's a really important scene. Sabine wants to be trusted, uh, but Hera and Kanan aren't telling everything. Like I said, they're, they're trying to keep this mission uh, from being compromised, or the whole mission. And and Sabine talks about, you know, or Hera tells Sabine, you, know, you gotta have faith in, in what we're doing and, and trust us. And I think the big sentence that came out of here was Hera says, you gotta trust the long-term plan. And I was like, oh, okay. So so again, here's a mention of, of this crew and their long-term plan. You know, what is that long-term plan? Is it to ultimately uh, bring down the empire or start a rebel alliance or just what is that long-term plan so I thought that was a pretty pretty interesting and important scene right there what do you think Mike yeah I think it I think it does point to the idea that um, that Hera is in contact with I think she's in contact with members of of the rebel alliance of Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mon Mothma and, Maybe, yeah. and uh, General Dodonna and, and those those characters. Um, uh, and then uh, the the comment that really stands out for me is that Kanan knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that points towards their plans to um like because the the rebel alliance in and not necessarily uh in the movies but but definitely in the expanded universe um they put a lot of stock in the jedi right mm-hmm. and and for good reason i mean you you look at at, at who makes up the the uh, sort of the 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 governing council of the rebel alliance and you've got bail organa who is is a, a a big supporter of the jedi so um i i think that you can look at that and you can say that part of the rebel alliances uh like sort of their ultimate larger plan is the restoration of the jedi mm-hmm. if if they can manage that right like like um uh, with with Bale understanding that there could still be Jedi out there, that that obviously Obi Wan and Yoda are out there, as well as Anakin and Padme's children, that yeah. there is a future, there is a there is mm. a hope for the Jedi, mm. and they, uh, I think Kanan also holds that right. Yeah. They that that message from Obi Wan that we saw in the first episode uh, in the holocron, that that message that means something more to Kanan than, than I think that we, we know at the moment. That he understands what we understand. Because we understand that that part about a new hope will will emerge being, like, that's obviously Luke, right? And I, I think that, that Kanan understands the gist of that. He might not understand the specifics, obviously, of that Luke is out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that when the time is right, the Jedi will come back. Right, so uh, nice. I yeah. 
I think that that's what what's being alluded to there, and I think that there is a plan. There is there is a larger scheme for not only the restoration of the Republic, uh, but also the restoration of the Jedi Order. Yeah. Right. So that's that is something that that they have in mind. That is a, a, an eventual goal, but um, it's not really something that that they can share with everybody, right? Because the idea that there's other Jedi out there, right? That's the sort that's the sort of thing that I think that I think Kanan and and other characters would like to keep under their under their hat, right? Uh, that that there might actually be more Jedi out there than than we know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I uh, that's sort of always been a common theme within the expanded universe, which uh, obviously is is all non-canon at this point. But I think that the the creation of the character of Kanan and his inclusion in Rebels is is uh, sort of almost a um, I. A, like a justification or a vindication of those characters within the expanded universe. Cause personally, I always felt that they were, that it was always kind of this, this random thing that, that, you know, uh, in, in dark empire, they, you know, Luke finds a whole bunch of Jedi so that there could just be more Jedi so that Luke wasn't the only one. And there are all these Jedi that escaped the purge and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. And I mean, that was even that, that story was written before the prequels. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that there would be these characters out there, uh, I always felt like it was kind of silly because it was like, well, that that kind of weakens uh, Luke's position as the 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 last of the Jedi and the first of the New Order, right? Mm-hmm. But then after we got Episode Three and we saw how things went down, and Obi Wan sent that message, it was like, oh, okay, it's there, it's in the story. There are other Jedi out there. I mean, uh, as they say, like hopefully, uh, some some other Jedi will get this message and not return to to the temple, right? And they'll go into hiding and and they'll they'll follow Obi Wan's instructions. And and then when we see Kanan, it's like, okay, there's our confirmation that that is a truth. There are other Jedi out there in hiding all over the galaxy, and if there were hundreds of thousands of Jedi and you know most of them let's say were were executed either in the temple or or by their clone troopers but if Kanan was able to survive how many other Jedi were able to survive right, right I mean because right. because now we've got we know of three we know Yoda we know Obi-Wan and we know we know of Kanan right so yeah. so how many others could there be out there and uh, and how big of a plan could that be and maybe we're going to see that in in uh, in the force awakens maybe that's one of the things that that title mm-hmm. alludes to right is that these jedi that have been in hiding even 30 years after the empire um maybe now is the time for them to come back right, right. Mm-hmm. so I think you're exactly right about the the comment that she makes about the long-term plan in Canaan is that not only is, is are they maybe preparing for this rebel alliance, but like you said, the return of the Jedi Order again and and of course the New Hope because he knows, like you said, he knows that that Obi Wan's out there. Yeah, um, I'm sure he knows maybe that that Yoda's out there and and 
other surviving Jedi, perhaps. So definitely um, agree with, with that. And also, you know, I just have to say, too, about about Chopper. You know, we got the antics from Ezra, Zeb, and Chopper again in this episode. And, and you know what? Chopper is actually a threat to this team. Because <laughs> he is always messing up things and yeah. and doing things to cause trouble. I just started thinking about that, like in this short season, he's kind of a pain in the ass, you know, and and causing uh, some trouble between what's going on. So I just I just thought I'd throw that out there. This droid is is causing more problems than he's worth sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> uh, noticing the scratch marks on the ground, Hera realizes that there were more crates that were dragged away by someone. The two head for a nearby hangar. It's dark and filled with wreckage, and they realize they're not dealing with a who, but a what. Creatures emerge from the shadows. There are many, and they attack en masse. Hera and Sabine blast them, keeping the monsters, Phrynox, of varying size, all with sharp teeth and claws, at bay, and eventually escape the hangar. The Phrynox begin to follow, or the Phrynox, the Fearnox, sorry about that. <laughs> Fearnox begin to follow, but stop before running into the light. The creatures retreat back into the hangar, unable to withstand the sun's rays. But the other asteroids in the belt block out the sun sporadically, and there's a large asteroid closing in, and it will cover the base in darkness, allowing the Fearnox to leave the hangar. So immediately I'm thinking, hey, I saw this already in I Am Legend. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, the creatures being scared of the dark, and they can't come in, and they can only come out of dark. So I don't know, it's kind of like... I kind of already seen that before. It's like, uh, I, I guess, whatever, you know. But I got a new species yeah. here, the Fearnox, uh, kind of a bat type of of uh, animal. So, what do you think of that, Mike? Yeah, I, I, one of the only things that was really in the uh, the trivia gallery this week that was of note is that they they were kind of throwing around names for these, and they had originally started calling them they called them something else. Uh, but then started calling them knockfers, and and then changed it, t- changed it to because uh, knockfer is something relating to a bat, and then they changed it to fearnox because then it's more like minock, right? Like sort of drawing a connection there. So right. um, within like a, a, an expanded universe sort of mentality, like uh, if I had to write uh, the guide to creatures and, and include these guys in it. Uh, I would definitely like uh, try and link them to to Minox, and that that could be the reason why they have issues with sunlight, right? Because uh, Minox are are um, they're silicone based life forms. They're not mm-hmm. they're not carbon based like we are. So uh, that could be the key to why Minox like uh, dark, uh, dank places. And uh, and it appears that these Fearnox are are the same, right? And, uh, right. Uh, they're looking to to chew on some power cables, maybe. Right. But uh, right. but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I'm I'm with you where it's like, uh, how many times do we need to see the whole uh, uh, oh aversion to sunlight vampire <laughs> sort of vampire monster story, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, it, that did feel a little bit. A little bit tired to me um mm-hmm. but i mean like i said before the 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 plot of this episode being a bottle episode is really just to get these two characters yeah. into a situation exactly. where they can have these conversations right so right. Yeah. yeah it's it's uh the, the, to me that i think that's probably one of the reasons why i didn't enjoy the episode so the plot is very secondary 
to yeah. everything else. Well, another thing too, uh, in the background, I just have to mention, you saw, you know, this is actually a Clone Wars or a Clone Wars or a Republic base that uh, mm -hmm. they used in the Clone Wars. And you saw in the background some damaged Republic gunships and uh, was it, I think I even saw like a headhunter in there too. Uh, uh, there were some ARC 170s. ARC 170s, yeah. there it was. Yeah, so just some debris kind of yeah. drew you back into that Clone Wars thing. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, Hera and Sabine make it back to uh, the Phantom, but find its fuel depleted. Hera contacts the ghost, asking Zeb and Ezra if they have ever checked the results of the diagnostics. They realize they did not. The crew leaves for Fort Anaxis to save their stranded friends. Still, it's doubtful that the ghost will arrive before the asteroid blocks out the sun. Sabine notices the several Rhydonium containers, however. Rhydonium is highly combustible, and Sabine has a plan. Where that asteroid blocks the sun and... I guess we could hole up in the Phantom? Judging by the torn-up shuttle in there, locking ourselves in the Phantom won't protect us. Could get grim. Well, I'll take Grim right now. Thought I recognized these markings. Allow me to introduce you to one of my oldest and most explosive friends, Rhydonium. It's good to have friends. So what's your plan? Since we don't know how many of those creatures are in there, we can set up groups of canisters and create explosions that take them out a wave at a time. How will you get the creatures close enough to the Rhydonium to be effective? Well, we're gonna need bait. Where do we get that? We don't get it. We are it. So, of course, Mike, you gotta use yourselves as bait in this, this type of situation. There's yeah. nothing else out there. But, uh, you know, this is, is... At first, Hera talks about, hey, can we... Or Sabine, I think, asks if they can hide in the ship. And just like you talked about the Minox, these... Fearnox, um, probably the same type of thing where they can chew through it or eventually they're going to get inside inside the ship. So there's no reason in trying to hide in, inside the ship. And then, of course, we get Sabine and she's an explosive expert and they devise a plan and a way, these waves of, of uh, Rhydonium that they're going to use to explode and, and hopefully knock out all of these Fearnox in the process. But... Um, Again, just like you said, Mike, and it just kind of rung true again. This is an episode where they wanted to feature these two characters, and let's just throw. I don't want to. I don't want to say they threw together an episode because that's that's kind of disrespectful to the writers of this. But it's all just you know something easy to put together, so we can see what's going on with these two and get a little bit of backstory. Like you said, we could have got a lot more and we probably will, but this is kind of the beginning of it. So, uh, yeah. you, you want to finish it up? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, the two rebels set up the Rhydonium containers in waves and act as bait for the Fearnox. Uh, as the sun is, uh, sorry, uh, as the sun is blocked and shadows fall, the creatures attack. Hera and Sabine run, drawing them closer. At the right moment, they blast the containers, creating a big explosion and wiping out the relentless Fearnox. But there are even more Fearnox. Hera and Sabine fall back and blast the last largest collection of Rhydonium containers. The explosion is huge, and they've survived for another moment. Yet more Fearnox approach, and Hera and Sabine take to the roof of the Phantom. Finally, the ghost arrives, its lights 
have no effect on the creatures, which continue to swarm and attack. Kanan pilots while Zeb and Ezra lower the rear hatch to rescue uh, Hera and Sabine. The rebels blast the Fearnox left and right. There are some close calls. Sabine saves Ezra twice, and Zeb stops several of the animals from getting on board. Finally, with the entire crew safe, Hera takes the controls of the ghost. She picks up the Phantom with the ship's magnetic locks and blasts off. Hera assures Sabine that she trusts her with her life and asks Sabine to trust her. I, I think I can try, the Mandalorian says. Sabine, I know you have questions. Questions I can't answer right now. But know that I trust you. I just trusted you with my life down there. I know. I know you do. Good. We are making a difference, Sabine. And I promise, we won't always be fighting this battle alone. Do you think you can trust me? I think I can try. All right, Mike. Um, so Sabine finally uh, is going to trust them. And of course, she's going to want to know more. But she's, for now, she's going to be content on having the faith that uh, the ultimate goal of this crew is... It's going to be something good. And I want to mention, too, you know, they talked about Fulcrum, and we will again mention him in just a second when we get into our email stuff. But I noticed that Fulcrum, he's played out to be a some intel, some good intel, but it kind of leads them into dangerous situations, right? Um, I don't know if that's just coincidence or part of the, you know, this red herring that they had to go through the story just so we can get some backstory with Hera and Sabine. But again... His, he kind of leads yeah. him into a bad situation. So I don't know if that was intended or if that's going to be something coming out later on. But uh, other than that, no, it's just, again, like I talked about earlier, it's one of those episodes where uh, we get a little bit of the, uh, like the backstory and, and just a little bit, a touch of, of what's going on with Sabine and Hera. Not one of my favorite episodes, of course, but it had a couple of good things. And some of the comedy in it was kind of cool. You see... Uh, Kanan, as he's meditating, all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, cool, we're going to get some cool force thing going on here, right? Like he's going to mm. he's gonna hear somebody talking or something. Maybe it's Qui-Gon or something. But no, it's just a, uh, a little funny moment where he's, they come in and, oh, you, you knew what was going on. Like, yeah, I can hear you from the outside. You guys are yelling so loud. So yeah. some, of the, some of the comedy I thought worked pretty well. But um, just a kind of a, for me, just a normal episode. Nothing blew me away or anything like that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think we're both on the same page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's difficult. Uh, my favorite character is Kanan, and he does not get any of this treatment that the rest of the characters get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with yeah. like these sort of yeah. like character moments and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, he he really hasn't had a lot to do since Spark of Rebellion, with the exception of a little bit in uh, in Rise of the Old Masters. So. It's, uh, I, I don't know, it's a little bit, uh, I, I get a little bit frustrated when, when these other characters are getting so much of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, I feel like we spend a lot of time dealing with the idea that Zeb and Ezra goof around with Chopper. It's like, this is, this is probably the third episode where that's a major part of the plot. Right. And, uh, and, and it's getting a little bit, I don't know, it's, it's getting a little bit Roger Roger. If you, if you, yeah. if you catch my drift, okay. um, yeah. where it's yeah. like, yeah, we get it. They're, 
like uh, Esper is a kid and Chopper is an obnoxious droid. So like, I, I kind of is like what you said earlier about um, Chopper is the reason why they've gotten into most of the problems that they've gotten into. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chopper is is more of a liability than he is an asset at this point. But he's almost like uh, the opposite of, of R2, Mike. He's because R2 yeah. seems to get get him out of trouble and without even sometimes them knowing. Yeah. But Chopper's the opposite. He's always getting him into trouble. So, yeah. But go ahead, Mike. You were saying continue. Uh, no, no, that's it. That's 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 basically everything I have to say about this episode. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's get into uh, what's going on in uh, email Facebook situ- yeah. section. Uh, Anthony Markham on Facebook, he uh, he asks, has a couple of things here. First of all, he says he uh, I watch via my Disney XD app, and my second viewing is using my cable on demand. So again, another person using on demand to watch these episodes, and then they use the Disney XD app. So we had we had asked people how they were watching this, and a lot yeah. of people are using uh, this on demand as as a way to watch it but uh so we got disney xd app here too also he says mike after watching the out of darkness episode do you have any guesses who fulcrum is mon monthma ahsoka tano garm bell ibis winter and the last two are eu characters that actually i i don't think i've heard of yet but uh mike he's asking about fulcrum again fulcrum is one of these these uh we just got introduced in this episode mysterious character we don't know exactly what's going on yet but if you go by some of the rumors that are going around i know that yeah. we had talked about a couple episodes ago uh sam whitworth's coming into play something and uh but but fulcrum do you have any uh, any clues of who this could be i mean could it be a lando could it be a uh bail organa in disguise obviously it's a, a code name right i, I would think yeah, or, or a fake name, but um, it's definitely a code name. Uh, we right. did hear Fulcrum's voice. I think he. I think Fulcrum had two lines. He did right in this episode. Right. Um, so it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to. To I tried to 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 place it as somebody, uh, uh, in the episode, mm-hmm. and I'm just now on on um, IMDb trying to see if I can. Find out who played Fulcrum. Yeah, see who who was the voice of Fulcrum, but it doesn't look. Yeah, he did have a couple of lines, but unless it's somebody who who voices multiple characters, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't even th- I didn't uh, even think to look. the worst for that because yeah. like they'll just have like the the slash and it's like oh so that they play more characters. Well, who? How do I see more? You can't see more. It's it's kind of annoying, but um, and it does. I didn't even think to look on the. When I watched the episode, the credits to see, yeah. um, I didn't even think of that. I should have done that. But, um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, it, it could be it could be anything. And um, you know, like I said, it could be is it Bale in disguise? Is it is it? Uh, I, I don't think it's Mon Moth because it sounded like more of a male voice. Yeah. Uh, unless it was altered in some way. I mean, that, that's always possible too. So. Oh uh, yeah, it could definitely be a synthetic voice, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. could be. It could it could be a droid for all we know, right? So, right. Um, yeah, I think I, I I think that it's going to be important. Obviously, uh, it, it's it, yeah. they, they're sort of pointing at this this idea of fulcrum um, and and who is fulcrum. So it's a it's a question that's being asked. Um, I I'm with you. I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that fulcrum is actually helpful. I, I fulcrum may be. 
Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it could go the other working way. for the Empire in some way. Right. Um, but if that were the case, I think that there might be easier ways for him to lure them into a trap. But uh, but who knows? Who knows what this <laughs> yeah. fulcrum character is uh, is really up to? And uh, and I think I think we will find out at a certain point. I think it's uh, I yeah. think that's coming. I think that that's probably one of the larger reveals in this season is uh, is who is fulcrum. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Anthony, thank you for for posting it on Facebook yeah. and and for those listening. Hey, if you have any clues, who you think might be fulcrum or any other questions, uh, be sure to let us know because obviously we're we're fans too. So we're just we're uh, speculating just as much as you would. So let us know yeah. what you think, uh, who fulcrum is or any other questions you would have in this in this series so yeah uh, yeah next week Mike on Rebels I'm really looking forward to this one I saw the preview already and this next one is called Empire Day check this out Tires assume attack formation fire at will I need my gunner shields won't hold long under this barrage almost there into some dog fights again man again so i'm really looking forward to this it looked like we're gonna see the inquisitor uh, in a altered tie fighter did you see that that's crazy yes yeah Yeah, in the it's it's the uh it's the prototype advanced tie so Mm -hmm. we know that vader's personal tie fighter is the advanced tie uh, x1 or something like that right right which is uh, it, which is itself a prototype, but is Vader's personal TIE fighter with a, that has an actual hyperdrive in it, which most TIE fighters don't have, mm-hmm. um, which is how he's able to survive uh, the Battle of Yavin after Yavin. the Death Star is destroyed. Right. But this, uh, this, this it looks like a precursor even to that TIE fighter even to, to Vader's personal TIE fighter. Um, and those wings are, are awfully reminiscent of the Sith infiltrator, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'm interested exactly. to see if uh, if, it, if they they uh, if they if fold when it lands, yes. because I think that that would be pretty cool. Right. Because uh, it, it's, it's interesting, because the, the TIE fighter obviously comes first, <laughs> and uh, the... The tie advanced, as well as you know, like the interceptors and and bombers and whatnot. And then when they go back to do episode one, they create the Sith infiltrator, which is supposed to be reminiscent of a tie fighter, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're now we're in in <laughs> we're not in the prequel era era, and we're kind of in classic era, but it's still before classic. So it's this tie fighter that is inspired by the sith infiltrator which is inspired by the tie <laughs> by, fighter by original tie fighter yeah. yeah yeah so it's this really cool like this is one of the things that i love about star wars is that i uh, the more star wars we get the more they have to figure out how to make more star wars but still make it feel like it's classic star wars that's why like episode seven uh for those who have seen uh, the the leaked images of what may be stormtroopers in the new movie. 
they look new they look different and i i was expecting people to be more upset by that i was expecting people to be mad that they didn't just look like regular stormtroopers Mm -hmm. but uh i love it i think it's fantastic because it shows this connection to the original material but it's it's also a new thing right so it's like this new cool design but also reminiscent of of the original designs that we know and love, right? So right, that's right. Uh, I always love it when we get little things like that that are sort of these little modifications on them. Um, as long as as long as it's not too often, and as long as uh, uh, it's sort of motivated, right? Right. Um, and to get like like of course the Inquisitor would have his own Tie Fighter, right? Oh, yeah. He'd, he'd yeah. have the best Tie Fighter that they have, so it would be. Right much like Vader's is, is a precursor to the TIE Interceptor and based on the designs of the uh, of the, the the TIE Advanced then they build the, the Interceptors right which are much better TIE Fighter uh, you know the, the, the Inquisitor would have his own sweet hot rod of sweet ride yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that and seeing how, how good of a pilot he is and just what's yeah, going totally. on and it says a refugee of the Empire seeks the Rebels help to get off a planet with important information. So that's that's what's coming next week on Empire Day. But that's going to do it for this week, Mike. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As yeah. always, you can uh, find the latest and greatest Star Wars Rebels news over at rebelspodcast.com, where Tim keeps it up to date with everything you need to know about Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and uh, if you want to if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebels podcast and uh, and at rebels podcast on Twitter. And uh, I, as always, we love to hear from you guys. Uh, so you can send in your emails to the rebels podcast at gmail.com and we'll uh, be happy to read your podcasts on or you read your your emails on the podcast. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but that does it for us uh, this week. We will catch you guys next week when hopefully they haven't released some other crazy Star Wars Episode Seven news the day that I go to release the, the episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> barring that, of course, uh, we will we will catch you guys next week for the episode Empire Day. Thanks see. for listening. All right. See you next week. <laughs>